With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni, part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. All winning streaks come to an end. The Giants, their 10-game winning streak, Doug, I characterize it as a submersible vessel being crushed under great pressure instantaneously. I think an orca secretly killed him. I'm just going to say it. Uh, it does it was, seem like an yeah. orca landed on the field in the first inning and just smashed all the giants. Exactly. It was impossible. For, they were just like staring at this giant sea mammal and they're like, what do we do there? And the Padres like, well, we hit a bunch of homers, you idiot. <laughs> So 10-game winning streak over uh, the Giants losing 10-0. I like that synchronicity, to be honest, to uh, snap it with the 10-0 loss. Alex Wood with some real fifth starter stuff to uh, help that along against a really good, obviously, lineup, the San Diego Padres. You know, it was it was going to happen. I'm I'm not that bothered by it, to be honest. The, uh, the winning streak could have ended in worse ways. This is the fourth time in San Francisco Giants history They've had a 10-game winning streak in the season, and I did a little research. <clears throat> it turns out, Doug, I have absolutely no recollection of the 2004 win streak, which is the most recent time it happened. Do you remember it at all? No. No, I was surprised to see that. I also don't remember the one from 1998. In 2004, all we remember is how the season ended. So- yeah, that's that's true. We remember that. <laughs> That the season was canceled at the last minute that's as right. the Giants were about to win the second to last game of the year. And then that's it. That's what happened. In 2004, it ended with a walk-off in Arizona the next day. And then in 82, it was a loss on the road to the Dodgers. And uh, the Giants were ahead and then the Dodgers had a four-run eighth. So that would have sucked to <laughs> remember that. And then the one in 62... The Giants had the lead three times and lost it three times and then and then lost the game. And I'm now currently blanking. Oh, that was the Cubs. And that was at Wrigley Field. So I don't know. Out of all the ways that their 10-game winning streaks have ended, I think this one was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I um, I was at work for most of the game. I get in my car. It's at 2.30, 2.35, turn on the radio. After a few commercials, I hear Dave Fleming say, well, it's going to be tough for the Giants to keep their win streak going. They're down 10 nothing, And I was like, OK, and I turned it off. <laughs> no problem. 
well, uh, hopefully he got a new laptop in time for today's game. He had all game to like set it up, get the bells and whistles going. He didn't have to really pay attention. The main takeaway from nine game winning streaks, 10 game winning streaks, whatever, most of the time in the history of the Giants, all the time, except for 1994, but I'm going to circle back on that. The Giants have basically been a good team those years. So the point stands. The Giants are a good team. Yes, it does remain to be seen how good. I contend that the 94 team, despite the strike ending their season and their record was officially a losing record, 55 and 60, that it was it was turning into an interesting season. We had the Matt Williams home run chase. You know what I mean? Like the Giants being a second half team, you could see it. It was pretty easy to believe. Snuffed out excitement. But here we don't have that. We have some young players uh, going. The memories that I will have of this win streak, hopefully they will actually last longer than the ones in 2004. I will remember sweeping the jo- uh, the Dodgers at home. And I will remember Mike Yastrzemski having a triumphant moment uh, after we dapped him up a little bit there. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think we get at least partial credit for the win streak. Yeah. Like 35 percent of it was us. I don't want to be too generous here, but yeah. I think that's fair. I definitely don't want us to focus on what just happened because anyone listening to this, chances are you watch the games and you know what you know the score too. But let's just talk about it a little bit because this is a sports podcast, Doug. That play at the plate the other night where Blake Sable <laughs> was first called out but then called safe uh, after the replay umpires determined that uh, Gary Sanchez was in fact blocking the plate for the Padres. And uh, Blake Sable was allowed to score, even though Fernando Tatis Jr.'s throw from right field. It really annoys the shit out of me that that guy is so good in (laughs) right field. He's really good in right field. Uh, But his throw beat Blake Sable by by five seconds. He was clearly there. But Gary Sanchez was standing on either side of the line. At the time, I didn't think anything of it. And then when we came back from commercial and they were still doing the review, that's when I was like, oh, yeah, no, he's clearly in the path. He was I like by the letter of the law. I think they got the call right. But my reaction watching it was, yeah, but like he was out by 20 feet. I <laughs> mean, the, he moved a little bit on the Gary Sanchez moved a little bit on the throw because he was out by 20 feet. Are we really going to going to nitpick like this? It kind of reminds me of the of the how at second base for a couple years, every time like they're like, oh, no, his, his fingers came off the bag for a hundredth of a millisecond. And he's got to be out. Tag was still on. Like, yeah, but that's not that. No, he was safe. Like, it's the same kind of thing to me. Like, that's not really what baseball is. You know, he he got it. He was Gary Sanchez was set up far enough from the plate that it wouldn't have made sense for him to get trucked there and like run over. I, I don't think that any part of the purpose of that rule was satisfied by by calling uh, Blake Sable safe. So I like 49% agree with you. And on this very pot, well, in the previous iteration of the show, I've said, I kind of, my extremeness is if a runner stealing second base, let's say like just beats the throw to the bag, then who cares about the tag? <laughs> like, you, yeah. no, he got there before the ball did. He's safe. But the easiest way to read the rule is that the runner has to have a lane to the plate. And Sanchez, before he got the ball, did stand in the running lane. There was plenty of time and all that, but he did actually stand, obstruct the lane. And so for me, that was the purest sign of he was blocking the plate. If he had been 
on if both of his feet had been on sort of either side of the baseline, I think it would have been there. There's, he has a lane. The runner has a lane. So that, that to me is the whole point is the lane. And maybe that's the case where it's a Shane Victorino situation where it's like, well, Blake Sable didn't have to run wide <laughs> to exaggerate that he was creating a new lane. But at the same time, MLB has established like, no, base runners can just run wherever they want. And if you're in their way, they're safe. I guess the the part of it that didn't it didn't bother me. It was amusing to see because obviously it helped the Giants go put up a, a big inning and and you know was definitely a big factor in why they won that game. Although you know they were playing so well, they probably would have won it either way, but would have been tighter. But anyway, the idea that it's still to some people called the Buster Posey rule, and you know it's like you just can't reach those people. No, some people are just lost causes. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but. Sometimes you look at a lost soul and you say, I I have to give up on you. There is nothing I can do to bridge this unbridgeable gap between my correct and smart position and your ignorance. It's a sad. Alex Alex Avila in the 2013 ALCS. He was in the playoffs. Yeah. He got trucked. His dad is a baseball executive. And in that off season, Voila, there was suddenly a rule. Uh, Grant pointed this out, and I actually completely forgot about this. Bruce Bochy was appealing to the league, and Joe Torrey deigned to say, like, nah, bitch, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> and then, lo and behold, two years later, it's happening. So the idea that it's the Buster Posey rule is just uh, amusing to me. It would have been nice if the rule was in place before 2011. I would have liked to have seen that, because who knows then. But at the same time, uh, a big play in that game I feel it was called correctly. Is the rule silly? Uh, we know why it's there. So I guess in terms for for Giants fans, it's like, eh. <laughs> we just kind of have to go like, yeah, maybe it was not totally reasonably applied, as you point out, Doug. But at the same time, we know why it's there. So, <laughs> Doug, let's just get to the real meat of this. And I already touched on this a tiny bit. Since May 1st, the Giants have the best record in baseball, period. 31 and 17. What does it mean? This is something I think we've danced around for a while because it's hard for us to admit it. Um, Every year we've done a version of this show, the Giants have not been good. But Brian, the Giants are good. The numbers confirm our eyes. The the eyes are kind of telling me like, hey, they've kind of recaptured some of that 2021 groove that they found where it's sort of like the next guy can step in and do something positive. And that they're greater than the sum of their parts. Uh, I think that's kind of the feeling I have. The numbers show they actually have some really good players. And I, I want to touch on that in a second. But so what should we do, Doug? Because this is a weird feeling, I, I have to admit. Not since 2016. Remember, they made the playoffs and that ended disastrously. And I yeah. famously predicted after that NLDS, I'm like, the Giants are going to be fine. And then they <laughs> weren't. <laughs> I, you know, I think they were, they were fine after. I don't remember what happened after. I'm sure they were okay. <laughs> we were canceled a couple of times. Yeah. A lot of weird stuff happened after that. <laughs> Mark Melanson was in there. I just remember Mark Melanson. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's that's your first. That's the first problem. You never remember Mark Melanson. <laughs> it's the gray muscle. I'm forever haunted by that gray muscle story. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're just gonna we're just gonna accept it. I I think we have to because that's 
the way that we're going to get them back to being bad, uh, <laughs> which we're much more used to. As soon as we think the Giants are good, and this is what happened at the All-Star break in 2016, then they, they tank. That's how we make the show we know how to make. <laughs> if you're a new listener, we had uh, the show took inspiration from McCoveyChronicles.com back when it was a great community before I ruined it. Um, and they, we had a lot of the top commenters, people who were, had been there for a long time since the beginning and still posted a lot. And we did like an all-star Croncast where we had every one of them on. I don't remember how many people were on the call now. There was at least nine or 10 people, I feel like. And right after that all-star Croncast, the Giants for the next year and a half had the worst record in baseball. Yep. <laughs> It was uh, remarkable, but uh, they never really recovered while we were doing the show. And then we were canceled. And now we're back. And ha they're they're trying. They got to figure things out with us broadcasting, podcasting about them. And you know what? Negging them is working. It's true. But the bullpen, I mean, you look at why they're good. Let's, you know, the offense is good. It's not great. It's good. Uh, everyone contributes. They have a high floor. And it's not in the Brian Sabian, Bobby Evans mold of like when what they thought what it was a high floor, which is like uh, replacement level. <laughs> no, is that being too mean? The, the Sabian Evans mode, like best case scenario, you get like one power hitter and then you get eight Joe panics. Yeah. And then and then you hope for the best. And the giant and the Giants now are like, let's see how many one to one and a half war players we can put together and let's see if we can optimize matchups and you know rest and all that and see if we might be able to actually squeeze like a you know every tenth of a win right adds up uh in a, in their in your matchups we can leverage certain situations we can get lucky positively uh have some good luck in the history of baseball pitching and defense right that still holds true even with the sabermetric revolution Guess what? The Giants are one of the top teams in pitching. They're really great in the bullpen. I mean, that's where the strength is. And they're really good on defense. They're a top five team in defense, which, oh my God, if you sent this back to last June and and like, <laughs> you know, just a message in a bottle and said a year from now, the Giants will have a top five defense. You'd say, I'm dying. This is a death dream. My brain is hallucinating to make me feel better. Brian, I would have said, that's not what I would have said. I would have said, I mean, I guess I don't follow football that closely. <laughs> Is uh, Danny Cannell they're still their quarterback? What's, I don't remember. Kerry <laughs> Collins? What happened to Kerry Collins? Collins? That's right. Was Trent Dilfer in there for a while? I feel like he was for yeah. a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the things that the giants do well are in the mold of the things that are sustainable throughout a season, obviously injury accepted and all that. And you can definitely have moments like uh, an attend nothing loss, let's say where it just doesn't all come together. Not a big surprise. The, the lineup is what I kind of have circled as I'm really interested to see what happens because as we're, we're still seeing we're, we're, what is this episode three or four, where we've mentioned, oh, Casey Schmidt, that guy's got to adjust back. But guess what, Dougie's like walking every game now. <laughs> hey, he's adjusted back by not swinging. It's, that's right. That's an adjustment, and it's working. So 
you've got Patrick Bailey, who still I love that Patrick Bailey is like, I can't hit right handed, but I'm still going to be a switch hitter. And then he's he's getting a bunch of hits right handed. <laughs> it's like maybe his left side is the league is adjusted to that, but they haven't yet adjusted to the right side. I don't know. But that's fun. What I'm getting at is the folding in of these young this young talent is exciting. And that's what's definitely sparked this run, uh, this 31 and 17 run. But also that's going to have a, uh, a step back at some point as the league adjusts to them. They just slump because it's all new to them. And the, basically the adrenaline of being a rookie wears off a little bit. All those things are going to happen for sure. And so that's when I'm like, I wonder what the veterans are going to do to pick up the slack. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Losing Mitch Haniger is actually not a huge deal, but it's a it's a big deal. It's I don't know. It's a it's a it's a small deal, big deal, huge deal. Right. I'm putting it in the middle. It's it's not a pretty big deal. It's a big deal. And having a guy like him with Conforto and J.D. Davis and I even Lamont Wade, I had thrown in, in there. Having that core as your veteran, that can help when the rookies are struggling. And right now, without Haniger. Uh, and then Yastrzemski too, but we're seeing Crawford pick up the slack. You know what I mean? Like that's, what's going to have to keep happening. And I'm hoping, I think that what's really going to need to happen, Doug, in the next few weeks or next month or so is that there's going to have to be a big surge in the offense or the offense is going to have to carry the team a little bit. Cause I can only imagine at some point that they're not going to be able to go seven deep in the bullpen, knocking them down, knocking the outs down. We already talked about this last time. But um, I'm I'm bullish on all of this as being a possible as something that can happen very easily. I mean, so for me, I'm I'm still bullish about the offense for sure. I think they have lots of talent. I think they have obviously their coaching staff is good. I'm worried about the Giants' rotation uh, because right now it's Logan Webb. You think you thought I was going to say more words? No, it's just <laughs> Logan Webb. I mean, so it's a problem they're having where. They'll get a good start out of Webb, and not even he's not even at his best, but he's still a good pitcher. And then Di Scalfani will be disappointing. Uh, Alex Webb has been, or Alex Wood has been pretty bad. Alex Cobb is injured, and they're just going bullpen games for the rest of it. And those bullpen games, you know, they have the semi starter, like they're not calling it opener and bolt guy. I, I think, but that's basically what they're doing. They're throwing Tristan Beck or Keaton Wynn or Sean Jelly out there for four or five innings, but it's that's a tough way to get through a trip through the rotation. And I think they need, they need definitely need contributions from people other than Webb. And Alex Wood obviously had a terrible game against the Padres. Uh, Di Scalfani is, has been very shaky since April. He's been, he's been shaky since he threw that shutout in Houston, which I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to go out on a regular season game, throw a shutout against a bunch of cheaters. Really since the piano bench. Yeah, he just dropped that dropped that yeah. piano bench on his foot, and yep. nothing he really faced the music. Oh. 
I'm, I'm, I'm half mad and half jealous. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to delete it. <laughs> um, but that's where I think the, the, the improvement needs to come from because I, the offense, they can figure out the offense, you know, what they're doing is working, but what they're doing in the rotation right now isn't. And that's, that's something to worry about. I think that's why that was fueling my insistence that the offense, the lineup picks it up. It sure would be nice if they could score six or seven runs you know, uh, like every couple of games for the time being for the next week or two until the Giants sort things out. I think they are committed to the Tristan Beck, Keaton Wynn, three or four innings guy. And like you said, building around that. And I, I mean, they've mapped it out where it looks like guys aren't being overused, but I still think you're playing reliever roulette and it's going to be really tricky unless they're scoring five plus runs a game um, and for a while in there when it's not Logan Webb on the mound. You know what makes it easy to score five plus runs a game, Doug, a lot more consistently is when you have an all-star lineup and the Giants have a bunch of all-star players in their lineup, but none of them will be at this year's all-star game as starters and probably not even reserves. Did you did you see this? Did you hear the did you hear about this, Doug? Uh, the, MLB broke the All Star voting into two phases. The phase one voting just ended, and uh, the top two vote getters in every position and the top six in the outfield they advanced to the next round. The top two vote getters in either league automatically get starting get in the starting lineup. So that was Shohei Otani as the DH for the American League. And Ronald Acuna Jr. is in the outfield for maybe he's also the DH, uh, but he's he's on the National League roster because they got the highest votes on either side. The Braves fans really came out. I mean, not like Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, isn't deserving, but Matt Olson is facing off with Freddie Freeman at first base. Lamont Wade Jr. just by weighted runs created plus, and I know blah blah people don't want to look at all that, but it just in the value of a player, he's a. Uh, Better than or Lamont Wade Jr. is better than uh, Matt Olson. He should be in the conversation. And Tyro Estrada, this is the one that really pisses me off. I can't believe I'm getting mad about the All Star game. But if I had to, if I could only pick one, it's Tyro Estrada. And the argument should be Luis Arise, who's hitting 400, and Tyro Estrada as the top two. And there should be a bunch of other fan bases super pissed off that Tyro Estrada is the other guy. <laughs> because right now it's just Ozzy Albies and his 50 RBI, I think. But, you know, Tyro Estrada has been the better overall hitter. He's got more stolen bases. He's better fielder. So, like, he's an all-round all better player. He's the second best second baseman in baseball, the best in the National League by wins above replacement, which also places him. He's the 12th best position player by wins above replacement. This is Tyro Estrada of the San Francisco Giants, Doug. They have a top 15 position player in the league, and he's not going to be in the All-Star game probably. I just can't believe it. It's it's rough. The thing about Tyro is he doesn't have the name recognition to, to be voted in, which is a flaw in democracy. That's why when I'm the Supreme Leader, I'll just make all these decisions for people, and it'll be much easier. This is why we need to get the Yankees fans to help vote, because he was a former Yankee that they just tossed aside. And you could be like, this is your chance to show maybe that. They're, maybe they're wrong. mad about it, though. Maybe they're mad. Yeah. I mean, you know, Yankees fans feel that they deserve to have every good player in the league on the Yankees. So they're looking at one who actually should be on the Yankees. I bet they're very offended if they ever think about him. The The one guy I want to highlight, though, I want to highlight J.D. Davis, who yeah. uh, by, by fan graphs, who he, he was the leading vote getters among all Giants players 
with uh, 443,000 votes. Fourth among third basemen behind Nolan Arenado, Austin Riley, and Max Muncy. Uh, oh God! I'm yeah. so upset. I'm you should so be. Mad. You should be. Ah! Oh! 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 God! Yeah. Um, now JD Davis per Fangraphs is the second best third baseman <laughs> in the National League. Brian, do you know who the the best third baseman in the National League is? You know what? I'll give you a huge hint. And I bet you still won't get it. He I'm plays so third base for the Washington Nationals. Heimer Candelario. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, it's it's pretty close. And that's, um, Fangrass has that, you know, you never really know how, how accurate the base running and defense stuff is on the advanced metrics. J.D. Davis is a much better hitter. It has, Candelario is a better defender and base runner, which is how he gets the edge. But they're they're the top two there. Of the guys in front of J.D. Davis, Nolan Arenado is the is the next one on the list. He is the 10th best third baseman in the National League. It's rough. And you would think that Mets fans would, ha- would have J.D. Davis's back on this. And maybe that's why J.D. Davis got twice as many votes as any other giant. Yeah, especially the battle against the Braves player. Yeah. And yeah. That's, I'm. I can't believe how upset I am about it, but it's like, <laughs> no, Tyro Strada is not like some gimmicky guy. You know, what I mean, like there, there's an argument that oh, Lamont Wade Jr. is basically just a platoon hitter, basically just he's like one of the best hitters in in baseball right now. But I, at least that's an argument I can see, I can envision, and it's like okay, but fine. Here's an up the middle guy who does everything great, and he he's the best at it in the league. And he's he's not even the leading vote getter. So he's not he's not a, by definition he's not the best player. He's not a star. Ah, uh, like Luis Rice makes perfect sense. That guy, if he hits four hundred, that'll be awesome. I can't wait. And I love all the fan graphs and other articles writing about like he's not just like he's hitting the ball really interestingly. <laughs> like he's not just slapping it around or anything. So ah, uh, that really upset me. I was not expecting to get that upset tonight. It's an emotional croncast, people. That's right. I mean, it's the all-star game. It's the all-star voting. Who cares? It's kind of like the Academy Awards at this point. It's like, you, you like what you like. And most of the time, the body's going to miss something. And then years later, they'll realize, wow, really? The artist? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like you go down the list of outfielders in the NL. You're like, okay, yeah, I get it. Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, Green Book. <laughs> Although the Shape of Water winning did help set up everything everywhere all at once. So sometimes it can be a nice collision. But Max Muncie? God damn it. Get right out of here. Ugh. Baseball is not meant for its fans. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's preview the Diamondbacks series uh, for a minute. The Giants will play the Diamondbacks later tonight. Uh, It'll be a three-game series. The Giants are surprisingly somehow the second team in the NL West behind the Diamondbacks. Doug, did you envision this ever happening this season? Either situation, the Diamondbacks in first place and the Giants in second place. Uh, I will say when I did, I do a season preview with a a friend of mine every year and I post it on my sub stack and uh, I did pick the Diamondbacks to win the West, but only because he'd already picked the Padres and I couldn't bear to pick the Dodgers. (laughs) So, but I did pick them. And that's been up since the beginning of April. 
and that's on the record. So oh, I'm counting okay. it. That's a, that's right. a win. <laughs> so what? All right, the, the Diamondbacks are 46 and 30. They're uh, three and a half games up on the Giants, who are 42 and 33. Doug, what did you like about them? Even though it was basically they're not the Dodgers, but what are what's sort of standing out to you? Their strengths. Um, so there's a couple uh, big things that they do right. The top two in their rotation, uh, Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, fantastic. Um, they're guys to really worry about if you're if you're going up against them. Uh, and then about half of their lineup is really good. Um, Christian Walker, Kettle Marte, Geraldo Perdomo, uh, Gurriel, and then the the guy who right now is basically going to win Rookie of the Year unanimously, Corbin Carroll, who has he has a shot at the MVP. He's been so good. He's probably not going to win it, but he's been an unbelievable rookie. They signed him to a the Diamondbacks signed him to a big contract before the year started. One of those long term keep them cheap contracts and mm. it's paying off. They were, they were a hundred percent right on him. Um, Corbin Carroll through uh, Wednesday is hitting 298, 381, 581. And he's a rookie. Um, he, baseball reference has him worth 3.7 war. Uh, fan graphs has him at 3.4 and we're less than halfway into the season. So he is, just like already a superstar. Um, and he is someone to really worry about for the rest of the division for a lot of years to come. And then throw on top of that, that their bullpen is, is excellent. Mm-hmm. No one who's currently in their bullpen has an ERA over four. So, you know, they're, they're a little bit soft at the back of the rotation, but once they get that bullpen in, it's, it's real tough to score on them. So I, when I do the series previews for McCovey Chronicles, I really do just probably unfairly. I do look at just sort of the team stats and then try to draw conclusions from there. And sometimes that means I'll miss streaks or certain specifics that might explain why things are going well right now. But they're really a team that just looking at it from the bird's eye view, it's like, oh, it's just all good. It's yeah. like there's no <laughs> there was an exquisitely baked pie. The crust is homemade. It looks great. Uh, it's all it all fills in very nicely. So, and I also just try to look at what are the weaknesses, as such as they are. And the Giants will only face one of their great pitcher starting pitchers this week. It'll be Merrill Kelly. They do miss Zach Gallen, who's leading all of baseball with three point three wins above replacement. Merrill Kelly is just slightly better than Logan Webb by wins above replacement. The only thing, I, and then their other two starters, you know, they're they're a little bit softer. You've got uh, Ryan Nelson, who's uh, like a five ERA, and then you've got Zach Davies, who's got a seven ERA. That's tonight's starter. And ground ball guys, though, so could be a problem. The only thing I would just point out is that is this is the area to get the Giants. Merrill Kelly, I should point out, he has a six and four career record against the Giants with a three nineteen ERA. Doug. But at Oracle Park in seven starts, he's one in four with a 540 ERA. So <laughs> I guess uh, being basically five and oh and, and no runs allowed against the Giants in Arizona is how it flips. But maybe that's the, the equalizer. Maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, the Giants are going to have to get to these starters because, like you said, that bullpen is a nightmare. And then... The, the sketchy part is like Logan Webb's going to probably have to pitch six or seven really great innings because this lineup is dangerous from top to bottom. 
and I don't really see too many easy outs in their, you know, their catcher. Nick Ahmed, you know, he, he's always a guy that kind of hurts the Giants. And so it's just you look at even their weaknesses, their weaker guys, and it's just like they have the ability to either be pesky in a Hairston way or just there's something really good about them. I will say that they all tend to not walk or strike out a lot too. It's like you look at it, it's like, oh, their walk rates are pretty decent, but oh, their strikeout rates are pretty low. Like they have five below 20%. That's not fair. Why is that happening? So (laughs) you look at all that and you go, all right, they are clearly taking advantage of both their park, but also uh, contact and speed. And that could be a problem. The Giants do have a good defense. Patrick Bailey behind the plate is going to be really important this week. They didn't look too hot against them in the first series. Remember, I was a very big, big believer in the four game series being some sort of portent portent for how the season would go for the Giants. And they they only won one game. So it did go well. So I don't think uh, that we should take anything away from just that one series. The Giants are slightly different. They're better in one way. But like you said, Doug, they're kind of worse in another way. If it really is just going to come down to Logan Webb and Anthony DiScofani as the anchors of the weekend, that's tough. I mean, Anthony DiScofani in his last start the other night, his velocity looked like it was down about a half mile an hour. His slider spin looked like it was a little bit slower than usual. And his slider is one of the was one of the best pitches in baseball. And if he is struggling, scuffling a little bit, if there is some sort of fatigue going on or some injury that's wearing him down, this is a team that's going to just pounce all over him. And that's exactly what's happened to Di Scalfani the last two starts anyways. Last, he's thrown a lot of pitches and teams have gotten a lot of hits off of him. So I'm nervous. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and you know, just in general, the Diamondbacks are a good team. Uh, and the Diamondbacks are a first place team in the division and they've earned it. So they're a better it, team than the Giants. They're they're objectively a better team than the Giants. And if the Giants win one game in the series, that's a four and three homestand. Not what you would have hoped for after the, the win streak and the off to the hot start. But at the same time, it would make sense to against two division teams that that against the Padres and the Diamondbacks, two teams that are supposed to be really good. If, you know, three weeks ago you said the Giants are going to go four and three against that. I'm like, oh, they're going to have a winning homestand against a talented team like the Padres and a a great team like the Diamondbacks. Yeah, that's that's good. So I think that's the best I'm going to hope for is as they get a win in the series. Um, And I'd say the the game to look out for is tonight. Tonight's the one that they should really be able to take. if They can take any of them. Uh, Logan Webb and Zach Davies. Logan Webb should be better. and if not, it's going to be a tough weekend. Totally agree. I'm going to make a one one prediction, Doug. Okay. Casey Schmidt is somehow going to have a multi-hit game this weekend. I like to hear that. I want <laughs> Casey Schmidt to do that. <laughs> he might go two for 14. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, that's one prediction. Do you want, care to make a prediction? Oh boy. Uh, I think Luis Matos is going to have a three-hit game. No. Oh, I'd like to really see him launch one in the left into the bleachers. That'd be nice. I think it'd be uh, fun, but I, I like the I like what he's doing right now. I want him to focus on mastering his current approach before really taking off with the power hitting. You want to see some more exotic bat flips from him from the walks? I want him to bunt and like throw the bat <laughs> 20 feet every time. <laughs> 
Yes, that's exactly what I want to see. It's phenomenal. Okay, you actually just made me realize if like we see Patrick Bailey put down a, a safety squeeze again this weekend, then their confidence levels, they're riding high. They're going to win. <laughs> yeah. They're going to win two out of three. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. All right, uh, where can people find your work, Doug? I am on Substack at giantsdoug.substack.com. I write on Tuesdays and Thursdays about the Giants. Check it out. Hit subscribe. I will not sell my email list to anyone because I don't know how to do that. And we are on Fans First Sports Network. Check out at Fans First SN on Twitter. Uh, rate us five stars on the Spotify app, uh, Apple Podcasts. Whenever you get a chance, we appreciate all the people who are listening. We're adding more listeners now. This twice a week thing seems to be working. So thanks for coming aboard. And we'll be back on Monday with an all new episode. Until then, go Giants! Go Giants!